Hello and welcome to Banking Transform, the top podcast in retail banking. I'm your host, Jim Roos, founder and CEO of the Digital Bank Report and co-publisher of the financial brand. A recent Aberdeen research report shows that improving operational effectiveness is now taking a back seat to customer experience when we're talking about back office operations. This should not be a surprise, especially in financial services. Companies that create greater synergies between the service and back office functionality and the front office experience are more successful at transforming their entire operation and from making a better customer experience. The question is, where do you start? I'm excited to have Nicole Nebulous, the Global Senior Director at Virant, on the Banks Transform podcast today. Nicole shares how banks and credit unions can transform their back office to become a competitive differentiator for long-term customer service success. The role and value of the back office has reached new heights. What was once perceived as a support function in a cost center is now the integral part of making a better customer experience and the overall success metric for a financial institution. Banking leaders must expand their focus on back office activities from being purely operational in nature to becoming a key component of their customer experience programs and their financial health. So, Nicole, before we start, can you share a little bit about yourself and how Virant works with financial institutions to transform their back office into more of an integral part of delivering a better customer experience? Sure, Jim. So I have been a part of the financial services industry and engaged with them for almost 30 years now. I started off in back office operations. I was 19. I I was one of those, I want to get some experience first before I go to college. So coming in and transitioning into the technology world really helped to bring that real world experience to identify how can we help our financial services customers' needs. And we've worked globally across with in Australia, in APAC, um, in Asia itself, Russia, and many major banks in EMEA, and right here in the U.S. So we've had a broad set of experience that we can bring in, not just from a branch banking and contact center perspective, but also what's near and dear to me is the back office. So our products really around creating that one workforce. Quite often people are investing in how can I automate you know, giving a customer self-service? How can I automate tasks? How can I automate processes? You really focused on the work item itself. And we have some great tools around self-service, you know, um, you know chat bots, you know, real-time agent experience tools that really bring together and what a customer's journey looks like end-to-end. And one of the areas that uh, I really focus on is the whole workforce management side of things. And we have a one workforce mis- mission where we're really looking at the people aspect of it. You know, how do the people make a difference? And how do we make them available and get those economies of scale? Yeah, the world is changing quite a bit. And we want to make sure that we're effectively using our staffing 
well to meet those customer needs. So workforce management, request management, productivity, about really making it easier for the managers to be able to coordinate the people to the work and coordinate people to customer needs. So, so it's interesting, you know, you know, while we've it's certainly the financial services industry, but most industries have really gone to the digital channels much more aggressively than they would have done without COVID. And the humanization of the digital experience really is transformative as far as the customer experience is concerned. But back office employees usually don't directly engage with the customer. So how can they contribute to the customer experience? Sure. Well, 44% of the calls, uh, we recently did a banking index survey and over the top 10 banks in the U.S. provided us with feedback. And of the contacts that aren't being met by self-service, 44% of those are calls that relate to the back office. So it's this cycle of what we do well in the back office to service the customer, even if they're not talking to the customer, they have a huge impact on the customer journey. Are they processing things on time? Did they process it with the right quality? And that can be in a retail banking world, but just as much so in an institution and custodial banking world where we're dealing with you know, mutual funds where perhaps that, that, that B2B customer, their end customer is a person. So it's important for the back office to not only prioritize the work to get it done, but get it done right and even create good customer service by getting it done faster. So what are some of the typical issues that you see in the back office that create negative customer experiences? Sure. So one of my experiences I'd love to share is when it comes to, to products, right? So credit cards or debit cards, not missing things like an address change. So I had moved, I'd moved five years and it was time for the new debit card to come. Everything was in the new address. And I figured out my card wasn't working when I was standing at the supermarket line trying to pay for my food and it got declined. And the worst part was, is people I knew were in line. So I knew I had money, but I was still super embarrassed. And when I called the bank, they advised me, well, we sent it. And well, what address did you send it to? They sent it to the wrong house. I, I wasn't even there. So beyond the embarrassment, there was also that risk and that concern because data privacy is so important. Fraud is one of those things that's top of mind. So when we're not making account updates properly, when we don't have a seamless link across all of our back offices, uh, when we enter in a transaction incorrectly, and whether it's in the front office or whether it's in the back office processing a wire transfer or setting up HCH payments for payroll, even processing or having a gap in ACH can impact somebody getting their paycheck. And from a consumer perspective, there's a real impact there. It, it can easily become like monopoly money, but if I'm living paycheck to paycheck, that sometimes can be the choice in what sacrifice do I make for my quality of living? Maybe if I have kids, I have to choose to feed them over feeding myself. So 
And when we look at those quality issues, whether it's getting, you know, processing to make sure the right product gets out, making sure that we are inputting the right information, making those updates, those are quite often the errors. And it's due to a lack of focus on the work, which conversely means getting things done in a timely manner. So if I need to have my debit card or if I need and people still amazingly do use checks, I need to get, get that on time so I can pay bills or so I can pay you know, for, example, maybe I have to pay for my child to be in a summer class or a sporting event. So you know, lots of real impact there from a back office perspective. Well, it's interesting. The, the back office problems that you mentioned are, are not new to the banking industry. But what is new is the ability to automate certain processes and integrate the human aspect to those automated processes. When you're looking at a financial institution, you're starting to engage with Virant. How do you draw the line between what should be automated and digital and what's human? I mean, there, there's there's got to be some things you go, really, we've got to automate that to enable our humans to do more impactful work. But how? Is there a delineation that's easy to determine for back office? So automation is about augmenting the human, right? So we're really at this precipice with the automation, the straight through processing, you know, getting rid of the paper, getting even improving communication channels. We used to wait for the inter-office envelope, right? And and we'd get it and then we'd get our paper and then we'd review it. And uh, it's... The pace of technology has accelerated, but it's all about how can I make faster and more accurate decisions as a manager, right? So instead of trying to juggle fire drills, I can focus more on creating great experiences with the employees and customers. I can make better decisions and that automation can make it in a more timely manner. So by drawing that line is really around looking at what requires knowledge, what requires being able to have empathy at looking at a situation? I've seen you know, credit unions, for example, um, will look at a situation and they'll have a conversation and then they'll look at, well, should I you know, approve a loan for or even pursue this for somebody starting up a business? And conversation creates empathy. Conversation and human element gain context that you can only have as a human. So it's, it's really important to look at what's the easy stuff to go ahead and automate and make everybody's lives easier, maybe improve or employee engagement. So an example of what we do here is we have a mobile app, right? And I can easily take from my phone I can look at my performance remotely. I can do sign up for a shift in the back office. I can see, ask for time off all from my phone. So that then allows you know, instant information to the employee. At the same time, it's freeing the managers up um, from Excel. I mean, like you mentioned, I mean, digital transformation has been coming, going on for a while, but when you get down under the covers, right, you still see business processes being managed by Excel and silos, et cetera. So you know, there's so much opportunity, uh, but freeing up humans to be more impactful, to serve the customer and make decisions is really 
where you need to draw that delineation. Well, it's interesting because a lot of people believe, especially employees of financial institutions, believe that the digitalization and automation of processes is going to equal the elimination of jobs. In our experience, the research we've done, I'd like to know from your standpoint, if you've seen the same thing, it's not about the elimination of jobs, about the upgrading of jobs to being more impactful and actually more meaningful for the employee. So it really is, we're, we're allowing, automation really allows employees to have the tools to do more of what they were really hired to do, which was help the customer. And again, where you're saying the automation of the, the, augmentation of the information is to be able to use data so we can give them better roles that are even better than they were before and have more meaning. Is that is that what you've seen as well, that it's really not about eliminating jobs, but it's really about changing the job functions to work in conjunction with the automation? That has also been my experience. The whole the, the whole reaction about automation is going to take my livelihood away. I really see that as the amygdala coming in and really hijacking that thought process, that whole fight or flight thing. Oh, this automation will keep me from having a job so I can enjoy the standard of living that I have. It maybe the person could have a great situation or maybe they're, again, living in that paycheck to paycheck whatever their fear is, having empathy towards that's important through the change management process and helping the helping employees recognize that, but also enlightening them about the history, especially newer generations coming in, that this is really about more opportunity. Most of us that have been veterans in the industry with automation, this, this conversation about automation taking away jobs and there'll be no more people having to do the work, we've been having this for years and that hasn't come to fruition. It really has been about how can we, how can we free people up? How can we make it easier? How can we compress time to service? How can we create margin at the same time employees have been freed up to do more meaningful work. They're working more on exception items now or more. It's Companies are able to provide a bri- broader breadth of services to their customer and more complex or more, more sophisticated and more bespoke to customers. So what that has created is employees to do more engaging work, more meaningful work, as well as organizations are seeing maybe not as much of a distinction between back office and contact center work. People are now able to expand their skills to engage in more channels or have more variety. And I can absolutely say when I started off, it was very repetitive, very transactional. There there wasn't a lot of variety to hold my intention my attention until I went to a right. role that required investigating fixing things, trying to help a customer out. Yeah, and, and it's interesting. I would imagine that for those organizations that are doing this well, that have really embraced moving from automation and task task assignments to, to digital, that they're having a better time avoiding the whole issue of great resignation and probably also finding it easier to find qualified new team members because the jobs have more meaning to them. Is that true? 
Yes. And organizations that are building in resiliency to keep their employees engaged, those are the ones that are standing out above others. So, for example, if I am, you know, when I I look at the work being done, you know, am I able to look at somebody and, and look at their skills and say, how can I talk to them about leveling up? How can I give them real-time information so they can even make decisions to go to their managers and say, I want to have this opportunity to try a different type of job or skill. It's really pivoting away from that managing and coaching people with a ruler to talking about how can we be supportive and how can I use the tools and automations to create that culture of continuous improvement, that culture of lifting up my employees versus lifting them down. At the end of the day, if my manager comes to me and says, why? Why didn't you write the sentence this way? Why didn't your productivity hit 90, 90%? Like immediately, whenever somebody asks why, that defensive mechanism goes up. But when you change the cultural conversation and you're investing in the tools to support that conversation, and, and it's about how could I help you? How can I make you be successful? How can I educate the employee and give them that visibility to customer experience? That's partnership. You know, that's partnership. And it's also recognizing people in the back office, we add value. And I always say we because I've I've just felt like I've never left the back office, but I've always felt like- I know like, that feeling really well. Yeah, yep. right? So I, I always feel like we get no credit. We get no credit for the customer, but the salespeople, the ones bringing the accounts in, the people in the contact center, man, they're getting all these tools to help them out. And I'm like, and, and people still like, well, what about us? Don't you don't you recognize what we do? And that recognition, I you know, that just makes a huge impact in p- making people feel valued. You know, it's interesting. You you your organization has done some research on this, but you know, we've really as an industry moved from automation and back office being a cost center and being something that we try to drive efficiency out of. We try to, you know, squeeze squeeze blood out of a beat or whatever that saying is. And and employees can read between the lines. They can see if you're really live in what you're saying as opposed to not doing so. And I think, you know, your research showed that organizations across every industry, but especially in the financial service industry, have really embraced the back office now as being a way to differentiate the customer experience as opposed to simply trying to get as much out of people and technology as possible from an efficiency and a cost standpoint, correct? Yeah, that. That's correct. And we've done some studies which we've pulled together the information into what we call the engagement capacity gap, which because of all the innovation and because we can offer more to our customers and and customers have new demands now, what we see is those expectations are going up, right? But our resources to support them are here and you can't hire your way out of that problem. So you have this gap between the resources you have and customer expectations. And so how do you handle that? Well, it is. Organizations are really forced now to look at the whole organization and that's really bringing them to look at the back office I see it at an analyst level talking about operational efficiency is a big thing. Talking about looking at re 
reframing, reimagining the way that we think about customer experience. And so I'm excited that the back office is finally getting its due. It's taken a long time, but yeah, it, it's great to see the companies that are most innovative, they're starting to, you know, they're, they're investing even more. So it's interesting. This all makes sense. I, it's interesting how many interviews I have on this podcast where we talk about things that I would say are, are just common sense. Okay. It seemed to be very common sense. Yet not every financial institution embraces what we're talking about. They know it makes sense. There's a common knowledge there, but they don't move forward. So when you're looking at when you visit financial institutions, what usually stands in the way of a of organization improving their back office for a customer experience rationale? Is it is it data? Is it technology? Is it leadership? What what stands in the way of people doing what's necessary to make a better customer experience as opposed to just lower cost? There's a number of dynamics, Jim, and I like to think about it sometimes as the silos, the Game of Thrones mentality where I have to defend my kingdom and I have built this. This is this is what we do. This is why we're successful. And this sometimes gets in the way of making decisions that are best for the company. So sometimes it's culture, sometimes it's relationships, you know, that agency problem, right? Of of somebody focused on their benefit. But often budget becomes an issue. Where do I spend it, right? I have scarce budget and I have to be smart where I spend it. And if I'm not smart about where I spend it, that's going to come back and bite me. So most often decisions are made based upon whatever is in trend at the moment and what I feel safe with. So RPA, for example, great. You made a great investment in RPA. It's really good. But I, I, earlier in the year, I you know was lucky to have a conversation with Ellen Carney of Forrester, and you know, she represents uh, the insurance services industry. But there's a lot of parallels between the two, and yep. based on her research, the RPA has not panned out to be the great silver bullet, to quote her, that people expected it to be. And you know, it's true. I often look at RPAs become more sophisticated, but. Back in the day, we were writing our own automations. We were writing, we used to call them macros, and we found ways to try to eliminate some of the tedious activities. And granted, it was more rudimentary in nature. RPs really, what it's done is it's gotten rid of taking the risk out of some of the rogue stuff that used to happen. And yeah, but it's also been very impactful at processing transactions, right? It's elevated. But at the end of the day, there's still people getting work, right? And organizations are very, very oriented on their process systems, my workflow. All right, let me get the next piece of work to somebody. But even those are siloed. Every back office, the big problem is there's, there's a plethora of systems. And there's maybe one system that they've invested the most in. And it's cost millions of dollars. It's already in flight. And they really, really need to keep investing in that to show the value. It's really simple. You can give somebody a piece of work all you want, but it doesn't mean they're processing it at the velocity that you, it doesn't even mean that they're focused a hundred percent on it. And things like chat distract people or lack of skills make them take longer to do. So it, it, it's, 
it's like you've told somebody that they have to go participate in a race. And so you're going to go participate in this race and you have to get in the boat and here's this or, right? But you're not doing anything about making sure. And not only are people rowing that boat at the right rate, but are they rowing it even the same way? Um, are they, did they even show up at the right river? So great. You gave them a piece of work to do. My, my other favorite analogy is uh, for those of us that remember is the cartoon family circus. One of my favorites growing up, it was like the first thing I read, but little Billy, and if you don't know, go look it up. Little Billy would be given something to do by his mother. Go put the mail in the mailbox. But Billy would go everywhere else, and then he'd miss the mailman, right? So great, you gave somebody a piece of work, but how are you going to make sure it really gets in? The systems really, even if it does have a prioritization mechanism, it doesn't guarantee they're fully focused, which is really where we see problems like quality manifest. And if for many, I think many technology folks, you know, really getting them to make decisions that have balance is important. You know, it's interesting you bring this up because it, it so many this so many things you mentioned ring a bell, and you know we always say that simply automating current process and procedures is not the right answer. Because if you get into the true automation and modernization of your back office technology for the customer experience benefit, you really have to rethink the way you did things. Because if you simply do them faster, it doesn't mean it's going to be better. Mm -hmm. And it's not going to be able to be at scale. And you also talked about existing technologies. So how important from your perspective do you see the collaboration between third-party providers such as Verant Mm -hmm. to transform the business at speed and scale over and above what can be accomplished by possibly existing um, partners because that's not necessarily mm-hmm. their key business um, quality, their key business advantage. Right. It's it's looking at how can we, you know, it's really about partnering to say, how do we overlay what you have or how can we take a load off? Because it's, it's a double-edged sword. If you're you have multiple different capabilities in place, whether it's homegrown or a disparate use of tools like Excel, you have core, your core competency really is about trying to serve the customer. How are you creating revenue for yourself? So letting organizations like Varen say, how can we give you something to improve your customer experience? That's our core competency. Uh, managing right. people, helping it. We're consistently investing in those things and we're getting feedback from multiple financial services organizations. So we're able to look at their feedback and create something that's best of breed in, in eliminating that internal bias that you get internally. Well, you know, it's so important because you look at, Viren, you specialize in a component of the overall banking technology back mm-hmm. office. You're very good at what you do, but you also have the ability to bring case studies and examples of where you've made mistakes, but also where you've done things that are extraordinarily powerful with other financial institutions that if a person tries to build it from within or tries to build it with an existing provider that this is not their specialty, you won't not, you will usually, you're not going to optimize scale and you're certainly not going to optimize speed. 
because you're going to get a blend of what's out there. And, and I, it's so important, especially now when there's so many priorities on the table to know, you know, what do you spend the money on? How, what kind of impact can it be? And, you know, Viren, I'm sure can go to a financial institution and say, here's what the return is going to be. Here's how we're going to, how we're going to impact customer experience. And we talk about this all the time, that if the back office is not efficient, you can't make the front of the screen be a good customer experience. You, you can only put lipstick on the pig for so long before it impacts you negatively. Um, so let's say I'm a financial institution struggling to modernize my back office with the focus being on customer experience. Where should I start? You should start at looking at the visibility. Where are they spending their time on production? It's so, so simple. And the most common response I get back is, well, I, I see they're working. I know they're working. Look, they're logged into the system. It's usually point in time. We're in a world we can't do virtual walk-around management anymore. And as organizations have become more distributed in their back offices, you couldn't, you can't be every place at once. So looking at how can I bring in technology and use it in a positive way, almost use it like a Fitbit for employees, right? What is my desktop activity say I'm spending my time? It, my phone or my little you know, watch here is going to tell me how many steps I took. And desktop analytics is going to give me an idea of where am I focusing? And that allows me to self-adjust, but it also allows me to say, but I'm out of work. So, you know, can I be proactive and get some more work? But at the same time, analytics does not go far enough on a desktop. And this has always been where our customers, you know, like to see that balance. It's really about, well, what kind of plans have I made? And am I intentionally setting up for my resources to spend, you know, 40% of their time in non-production activity versus it was 60% in production? And these resources were planned to be in production 80% of their time or, or 90% of their time, you know, not, not, you know, when they're supposed to be in production, not when they're in breaks or lunches. So, of course, you planned resources and you're taking them out. Well, no wonder why you're falling behind. And then there's the on the fly taking them out. And this is always a challenge because depending who the leader is, somebody may come up and say, hey, Jim, I need you to work on this special initiative um, and, and do that with a few other people. So there's that hidden. We're just not aware of it. Okay. So final is, as we look forward, what do you see as a trend or a couple trends that financial institutions are going to see as they try to integrate their front office and back office for improved customer experience? So I see organizations embracing that one workforce approach, which is you know, looking at the fact that customers want to interact on their own channel of choice and they want to be able to pick up at conversations where they left off. You know, they're going to gonna look at how their employees, you know, want the tools to get the job done well. So that real-time support, but centralized knowledge to quickly answer questions and really bolster their confidence, right? So, and then organizationally, they want to look at ways that they can attract and retain some of the top channel and engage and, and make it more seamless for humans and bots to work together. You're really having a fully connected experience is, is, is where these organizations are going. And so it's about 
one company, right? How do we become that employer of choice? How do we make that job mobility? How are we improving collaboration? How are we you know, bringing in the right candidates? Are we optimizing our resource plans? And can we make sure that we're giving, you know, those employees the right things for a source of truth? So what it distills down to is, you know, AI-powered platforms using, you know, looking at making sure that we have a best-of-breed platform that can actually provide all those things and talk to each other, right? Because siloed, siloed systems create even more complexity. So what do I have around orchestration and knowledge with that customer experience? What am I doing with quality and compliance? So more quality and compliance solutions, and not just your typical, oh, let me do a quality check in the back office, but can I actually see how somebody process some work as they're doing it? And can I look for best practices that I can scale across the organization? But compliance is even becoming more important too, especially as global organizations and even state size, different states, they have their own data privacy um, it rules, but also we see institutions, you know, you, we're, we'll probably be seeing more restriction around you know, what type of you know, transactions are we engaging? You know, OFAC's been around for a while, but perhaps that there's, you know, other financial institutions in that are going to look to make sure that we're complying with those standards because non-compliance can, can really cost a lot of money. Analytics, you know, what, what analytics do we have to pick up not just customer sentiment, but as I mentioned, that's desktop activity. How do we, how do we know? And very much, especially with that one workforce is that hiring forecasting and scheduling. So, you know, organizations, when, when I say one workforce, we've always been very solid in my contact center. People do contact center work, back office does operations work. And, and, and even we use the term back office, but, but people even say that's quite antiquated. What do you mean? There's nobody in the back of the bank doing stuff. And that's going to be operations. That's going to be service delivery. Even, even things we hear terms like retirement services, right? Funds yeah. flow different terms like that, you know, and, and then yes, you know, even the branch side, well, you know, when you have that capacity gap, right, all of these people have different perspectives about the customer and different perspectives about doing the work. So you can get economies of scale and using, you know, forecasting and scheduling solutions can help you see, well, when does the contact center have downtime? Hey, we're free from calls. So what kind of work can I ask them to do? And, and organizations are starting to do that um, with their workforce management solutions. But now they're also looking at you know, the back office and the branch and how can I load balance that work? And those are the companies, when you start to look there, great. Then you can use you know, systems that maybe organize and prioritize work and allocate that work based on skills. You can look at holistic you know, productivity. So it also gives employees a real appreciation to what their counterparts do because it's always easy for the contact center to say those people in the back office it's always their fault uh, but they then get to see what we deal with conversely the back office person gets to see what it's like for that branch person to have a you know to to get a upset customer or their contact center so they're going to think about that and be more intentful in how they're approaching that work so when they all come together, 
Now we're focused on the customer and we're focused on each other and we're creating that more uplifting environment. Happy employees create happy customers and happy customers come back and they invest more in your organization. Nicole, it's been great having a conversation with you. Thank you so much for sharing with us some of the ways that organizations can really transform their back office or operational system, all the other names we want to make that um, into more of a customer focused um, organization and, and support team. So thank you again for being on the show. Thank you very much, Jim. It's been a real pleasure to be here with you today and, and really converse with somebody else who loves uh, not just the technology, but really understanding what business users' needs are. So thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. You too. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Bank and Transform Podcast, the winner of three international awards for podcast excellence. If you enjoy what we're doing on the show, please be sure to give our show a five-star rating on your favorite podcast app. In addition, be sure to catch my articles on the financial brand and the research we're doing for the Digital Bank Report. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thank you to our producer, Leah Haslidge, audio engineer, Sean Will Hoffman, and video producer, Will Pritz. I'm your host, Jim Maroos. Until next time, remember, Customer service should not be a department. It should involve the entire company, including the back office. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.